There he is, the man, the myth, the legend, Jake, my brother. How are you doing today? Good morning. Excellent. Uh, happy Halloween, everybody. Great to be back. Awesome. Yes, a happy Halloween to everyone out there. Uh, Jake, you got any plans with the kids? Yeah, last night we did some pumpkin carving. Uh, this year's a little different, obviously, with uh, coronavirus. Everybody's quarantined, but we're going to do some limited social distancing trick-or-treating this year so we'll see how much fun that winds up turning out to be but um the kids are rocking and rolling with their costumes and um other than that i think we're gonna come back and uh, hopefully watch a, a halloween movie as a family nothing too major but just to enjoy our each other's company uh and hopefully uh, like everybody else trying to stay safe sure yeah of course that's number one you got to stay safe out there and uh just about just like uh, just about everything else this year, of course, it's going to be very different because of COVID. No surprise there, but uh, glad to hear you guys are going to do some some fun stuff. We're going to probably do a little mini trick-or-treating, but we're going to set it up where uh, in our house, the different rooms, and then in the different cabins uh, on our property, we're going to have those as kind of the trick-or-treating area. So we're not even going to do the neighborhood. We'll just do it on, on our property, and the kids will just pretend we're neighbors. <laughs> I'll be... <laughs> I'll nice. be neighbor one, and Dita will be neighbor two, <laughs> three. You'll have to get all kinds of disguises, of a bald right. cap, a mustache. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. All right. Well, hey, uh, it's great to have you back, as always. Such a pleasure, and uh, I am looking forward to this week of football. We've got ourselves another wonderful week. Welcome to week eight. Every week, I feel, is just a gift at this point. Uh, given the circumstances with coronavirus and everything else going on. So uh, can't be hating on that. That's for sure. Some good stuff there. Let's dive into it here, Jake. Uh, first, as always, we're going to recap our uh, our last week's games. So we'll do a little self-scouting here. So if you would start us off, go ahead and uh, run through some of those games and how we did. Awesome. Um, yeah. So this was, uh, like you mentioned, this was a a, a great last week. I agree with you. We're just grateful to, to be alive in the NFL and, and continue on to the next week. I can't believe we're eight, uh, week eight approaching. Um, but week seven, some really outstanding results from, uh, from our picks. So without further ado, I'm going to start us off here. Um, our first topic and game of the week was Pittsburgh minus two at the Tennessee Titans. Um, Derek, your prediction was Tennessee 27 uh, Pittsburgh 24. I had just about the opposite. Uh, I had uh, Pittsburgh 31, Tennessee 23. That, if anybody watched, was such a fun game. Uh, almost came down to a field goal at the end to put them into overtime. Final score, Steelers take the win 27-24. Um, the next yeah, game... That... Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. That's all right. That game was, uh, yeah, really good game. I, I think... Truthfully, I know the, the score was really close and Titans stormed back there in the fourth quarter, which was impressive. They're, they're such a great fourth quarter team. Uh, you know, I, I do think the Steelers were in control of that game, though. Uh, the score was a little closer than I thought the game played out. Um, Pittsburgh kind of let off the gas pedal there in the fourth quarter, and you really can't do that against a team like Tennessee, who is just so 
dangerous in the fourth quarter, especially. So they almost let a really well played football game get out of their hands that way. So uh, I, I felt they were uh, a bit, uh, the score was a little bit misleading in that sense and, and Pittsburgh really dominated. So just wanted to throw that one out there for all of you. Go ahead, Jake, with our next one. Sure. Um, next game we had Dallas at Washington. Washington was plus one. Derek, you had Dallas 28-20. I had, I had actually picked Washington uh, for the upset. 24-21 to 21 was my prediction. Our final score of that game, which was just a dumpster fire if you're a Dallas fan, was Washington 25, Dallas Cowboys 3. Uh, really, really tough, tough going for Dallas here. Uh, this is one where I literally wanted to just shoot myself in the foot uh, <laughs> after watching that game. And thinking back on my analysis as I was given it last week, I couldn't believe some of the things I said. Just, I mean, really, you got to realize Dallas is a total disaster. And I should have seen this one coming a bit more clearly than I think I did. I got caught up in the, the Dallas Cowboys media hype, and uh, I, I liked my little quarterback bounce-back performance stat that I gave. So I think I just misled myself on that one. It Bottom line, Dallas is horrible. They're playing an entire second-string offensive line. They are now on their third-string quarterback. They have nothing going. Their defense is a total disaster. Um, so, I mean, they're they're basically the new Jets of the NFL. I think the Jets are still truly the Jets of the NFL, but uh, Dallas Cowboys are getting close here. No, I would definitely uh, say that Dallas is – is um, they're lacking leadership. And if you watch that game, even down to the play where Andy Dalton got taken out, nobody on Dallas really came to his aid. Nobody stepped in. Nobody got upset over the hit, um, you know, that knocked him out of the game. Uh, that's just hard to watch. It's rule of thumb. It's it's you know it goes without saying. You always stick up for your quarterback, even if they're in the wrong. Um, and to watch that on the field, it said everything about about the game. It's a it's a it's not a team. It's a bunch of guys in the same jersey. That was disappointing to watch. And uh, I'm sorry to Dallas fans because that is just gross. I agree. They are the next. Just a step up from the Jets, but uh, we'll get to the Jets here in a bit. Um, yeah. Following that game, me and you both had a great read on this game um, with a huge upset. Um, Seattle at Arizona. Uh, Arizona was plus three and a half. Uh, Derek, your prediction was 34-31, which was extremely close to the final score. I had 32-30. to 30. Uh, The final score of this game, which wound up being the game of the week, uh, that went into overtime, Cardinals 37-34 to upset the undefeated Seattle Seahawks. Um, great, great game. Huge quarterback contention. Um, but I would say that the story of the game was Arizona's defense. They came out and they dominated. Yeah, that was an incredible game to watch. Obviously, as a football fan, those are the games you just pray to have. Uh, every game <laughs> you love watching a game like that high scoring high flying uh, and even on the defense although there's a lot of points and a lot of yards given up huge momentum swings with turnovers here and there big sacks and stuff like that uh, chaos just being created left and right by the defenses and then offenses executing and just having a lot of fun out there doing what they need to do so great game you and I really were all over it that's one of those games where I think we just had a great beat on what was going on. Um, 
with both teams going into that game. Uh, the defense, you're right, of Arizona, fantastic. Uh, I, I remember talking about Vance Joseph and how he was doing such a great job play calling and scheming that defense. Well, guess who didn't do that in the first half? Vance Joseph <laughs> gave up 27 points. Guess who did it in the second half in overtime? Vance Joseph and only gave up seven points. So it's pretty clear that uh, we were we were all over that game and all over what the Cardinals needed to do to win. And fortunately, since we're both huge fans of the Cardinals, they did it in the end and took care of business, got the win. And like you said, we were really close with that uh, final score. So that was that was an encouraging one. Really good to see. And uh, hopefully you guys out there were able to follow along and enjoy that with us. So go ahead, Jake, with our final pick from last week. Uh, well, our last game we had, we had Chicago at Los Angeles Rams, minus five and a half. Uh, this was a tough loss for for uh, the Chicago Bears. Um, their leadership, again, just like the Dallas Cowboys, is absolutely missing from the locker room. Their defense is the story of the team. Um, however, they just cannot complete on the offense. And, uh, I mean, I can't, I can't believe their, their win streak right now. Um, Chicago, uh, final score of this game, Bears 10, Rams 24. Rams dominated this entire game. Bears didn't look like they stood a chance. Nick Foles and company just didn't show up, and they looked like they were completely outmatched. It looked like a high school team against a college football team. Uh, disgusting for the Bears. Yeah, this was really frustrating to watch. Uh, if you guys were listening to our analysis last week, I think spot on with the defense there. Uh, Chicago was exactly what we talked about them being. Uh, very, very aggressive, flying all over the field. In fact, kind of double-edged sword because it did cost them. Uh, Sean McVay took advantage of the aggressiveness of that defense had some great play calls to uh, really allow Chicago to get depth and then gash them with some holes um, uh, based off of that. So kudos to Sean McVay and the LA uh, offense. I think Nick Foles, man, that, that was a tough one to watch. As you mentioned, the final score, 24 to 10. Nick Foles had basically two turnovers inside the 10-yard line, one an interception and one on downs uh, on a fourth and goal. Just piss poor performance by Nick Foles. One of those that you look at and you're just like, how could I ever bet for going with this guy? Because that was really, really pathetic. Uh, defense actually ended up outscoring their own offense. Defense scores seven points on a scoop and score fumble recovery. And the offense can only put together one field goal drive the entire game. So really pathetic. Uh, Matt Nagy, I don't know what to say about him. Some games he comes out and I'm like, wow, great play design. Other games, I'm like, what the hell are you doing, man? So we'll see what happens. Hard team to really predict uh, with the offense they've got. But their defense, man, that is a Super Bowl defense. <clears throat> Excuse me. Super Bowl defense. And I think they, they really are. Uh, if they can get something going on offense, they can contend, but uh, they're they're a long way from it, offensively speaking. No, and our our, our predictions for that game were, uh, Derek, you had 24-20 Los Angeles Rams winning, uh, however, not covering by half a point, and I had uh, Rams 23, Bears 17. So both of us were, mm -hmm. were off on our predictions as far as the points go. Um but um, well, I'll say we were both we were both spot on with the Rams. Well, <laughs> well, we we also expected Nick Foles to score at least a touchdown. For, 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 
Jesus, what a fucking pathetic, <laughs> pathetic showing that was. I couldn't believe it. When he threw that interception, uh, it was, he was inside like the five-yard line, man. It was one of the worst passes I've ever seen. Got deflected, tipped in the air, and just a, uh, fell into the hands of another guy. I was like, what the hell? If that guy didn't pick it off, somebody else is going to pick that ball off. That was horrible. No, I, and then the fourth, fourth and goal. I mean, he didn't look like he knew anything was happening in that offensive play. He looked like he knew just as much as the defense going into that offensive play. He was totally lost, clueless. So get out of here, Nick Foles. I love you, man. You of a brother over here. I love you with all my heart. Super Bowl MVP, everything. But Jesus Christ, man, pull your head out of your ass and let's play some real football. (laughs) I think last week was really an eye-opener for the NFL. A lot of these teams that have been winning um, showed their true colors. I'm looking at the overall scores of all these games that we did have some great mm-hmm. matchups going into week seven. Um, but overall, these this seems to be how most teams are going to perform for the rest of the season based on these, yeah. these scores. Um, an honorable mention I wanted to quickly discuss was the Detroit at Atlanta game. Now, we didn't dive into this last week, um, but this this would kill you if, uh, if you had money on that game. Oh, my <laughs> God. Uh, it came down to the last possession for the Atlanta Falcons. All they had to do was get a first down, kneel the ball. Game is locked in the bag. Detroit didn't have enough timeouts to even come back in that game. Uh, what do they do? Todd Gurley runs it, is going towards the end zone. Lions defenders literally throw their hands in the air saying, do not touch this man, do not touch this man. And the idiot tries to dive on the half-yard line, realizing his mistake, when prior to the game, you can hear Matt Ryan mic'd up saying, just don't score. That was his that was his prep <laughs> talk for that play. And what does Todd Gurley do? Damn it, he finds a way to score. Now you would think, oh, uh, good for Atlanta. They're shutting him out. No chance. Not the way that uh, uh, Matthew Stafford and the Lions offense was playing that game. They came back with just enough time, a minute and four seconds, to come back and win the game with a final touchdown. What uh, a game for a Detroit Lions fan on the road against the Atlanta Falcons winning, or I should rather say the Atlanta Falcons, finding a way to lose again in an impossible scenario. I can't stand it. Man, you're talking about two organizations, two football teams that really try to find ways to lose football games. And it was just come came down to who could do the best job of losing that football game. Well, sure enough, Atlanta right now, given their streak, uh, of course, I think uh, no surprise that it was them. But, uh, yeah, both teams really not their best showing. Uh, I think a lot of people expected that to be a bit more of a high-flying football game and just really sloppy play back and forth. And, uh, I mean, I guess the Detroit Lions just did enough to to not lose it uh, more than the, the Atlanta Falcons yeah. on that one. Of the so. week, just don't score. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, just don't <laughs> score. And, well, there you go. Another real quick, interesting one. Uh, obviously, anybody betting on Cleveland last week was very disappointed with a missed extra point <laughs> to catch that hooker. Uh, the 3.5 spread, they had minus 3.5, end up winning by three instead of four, thanks to that missed extra point. Uh, their kicker probably received a few death threats uh, earlier this week, I have a yeah, feeling. Yeah, actually, interestingly enough, uh, for my... My lock picks of the week at the end of our podcast last week, I had Cleveland as one of my locks uh, to win outright and to cover the spread. And I also picked Green Bay, and they were the team I was convinced to buy that half point. 
If you were to do that for the Browns, that would have been the oh, inside yeah. of the week. Uh, sadly, the, day, yeah. the Clowns just couldn't perform. Now, with that game, um, OBJ is out for the season. Torres ACL. His mm-hmm. history yeah. of injuries just continues to grow, and he's not going to be the athlete he was before. The sad truth about this is this might be his last performance in Cleveland. We might not see him back there. This is a superstar from the Big Apple, New York, New York, going down to Cleveland, a blue-collar state where fans are just diehard for their football team. But he has not performed well since he's been there. Nothing explosive, nothing to really um, put on the Sports Center highlight reel. And I got to say, watching that game, and if you watched games where he's been in Cleveland, where he's been an active player in the game, and uh, that doesn't mean just being on the field. I mean engaged in the game. Cleveland doesn't score well. They have offensive uh, – or their points are, you know, under 20. The difference maker is when he is out or they have him sitting or he's resting. That's usually when you see other key components. Nick Chubb with his 98-yard uh, run last season. Um, Jarvis Landry. You know, all of these other players. I mean, they are stacked with weapons. I mean, they, they really are. They have one of the greatest running backfields in the, in the game. Cream Hunt and Nick Chubb, outstanding. Um, my point being here is if you watch the game, this was a great summary of that uh, in live time. Prior to OBJ's injury, Baker throws an interception, which is actually how OBJ got the injury. He threw it over. OBJ tried to stop the defender right. and wound up uh, hurting himself, unfortunately. Um, but beyond that, then he went on to score five touchdowns, no interceptions the rest of the game. I mean, who is this guy? Right. I don't believe in Baker personally. Um, but if you've got to pick a Baker Mayfield with or without Odell Beckham Jr., I would pick him without OBJ all the time now. And that is so crazy to say because OBJ is arguably one of the best receivers in the NFL. Um, uh, any thoughts on that? Yeah, we're going to deep dive uh, that game here in just a little bit. So I don't want to get too far into it, but I I certainly agree with you. You know, it goes back to what I was talking about with Chandler Jones last week in the Arizona Cardinals defense. I think similar situation with Cleveland and their offense. When you take out a guy who's really demanding a lot of touches as OBJ does, you know, everybody knows. You know, I think that opens up the offensive playbook a little bit. It puts a little less pressure on the quarterback, on the offensive play caller, on the offense as a whole. And it allows you guys to just, excuse me, allows those guys to just do what they want and need to do rather than what they feel pressure to do in getting him the ball. So we'll talk more about that a little later on. But certainly, uh, I agree with you. There's, there's a lot to that. And, um, you know, it could open up their offense in a good way for them moving forward. Nice. All right. Well, listen, let's uh, let's get into this week's matchups. We've got four games that we're going to be breaking down for you guys here. Uh, we've got San Francisco at Seattle, Patriots at Bills, Las Vegas Raiders at Cleveland Clowns, Browns, and uh, Los Angeles Rams at Miami Dolphins. We're going to start things off here with San Fran at Seattle. Jake, if you want to uh, dive into this. I'll let you get st- get going. Last I saw the line, Seattle was minus three. Uh, yes, I'm pulling up here. Give me one second. I'm refreshing to get us our live lines. I think that's really important for the show and for all of our listeners out there to make sure we've got accurate data for you. Um, 
first though, what, what I'll say about this game is um, after that Seattle tough loss against Arizona, I don't think they're going to come out um, as angry even, which is almost expected. You'd think after that game, they're going to come out full offense, full octane. Uh, that may be the case, but that's not what I'm concerned about. It's their defense. Uh, their defense really screwed the pooch in that second half of that game. Um, I'm not convinced on Seattle's defense. Without their, their defensive problem and issues, uh, they are by far the number one team in the NFL as far as I'm concerned. Russell Wilson is such a great leader in the locker room, on and off the field. Um, you know, what I really think is I think Seattle will bounce back after their first loss of the season. Um, but I, I really think that San Francisco is going to come out even stronger in this game. Coming off that high of uh, 30 uh, – 33-6 to six game against the New England Patriots last week. Um, I mean, fantastic for, for San Francisco. San Fran has allowed just 11 points per game the last two weeks. That, in and of itself, says so much to me about if there is a team who can stop Seattle's offense, San, San Francisco might be the team to do so. Um, Seattle has played in five straight one-score games. And uh, I, I think this is a classic. I think that experience is going to pay off this week. Um, my final prediction for this game is I have 49ers 29, Seattle Seahawks 26. Wow. Okay. Very nice. So I, I agree with you. I think San Fran is going to take care of business here. Uh, I actually was – studying both of these teams throughout the week. This is uh, one of the games I was really, um, really keeping a close eye on these two teams and how they're performing. I'm going to start with San Francisco here and I've got to give a ton of credit to Kyle Shanahan. Uh, as much as I hate to say it, everybody out there knows by now I'm a huge Cardinals fan. That's my team. And so giving credit to San Francisco is a really difficult thing for me to do. But I got to give credit where credit is due. And San Fran, Kyle Shanahan, he is the next Bill Belichick, in my opinion. He is coming up with things that people have never seen in the NFL week to week, every week. There's just new run design, new play design. Um and he's doing this with second stringers, third stringers, practice squad players. Uh, he's getting people open in space every single snap. He is in the zone right now. And when you combine that with Seattle's putrid defense, I think that's a recipe for disaster. I think San Fran's going to take care of business. What I'm most, imp what I was most impressed with when it comes to San Francisco's offense. Kyle Shanahan is is scheming the game so well on offense. And this is something I don't know if I've ever really seen before in the NFL. He's scheming so well in the offense that it is actually he's basically scheming the defense and special teams as a result of his offense. Um, if you look at the Patriots game last week, the Patriots had probably at the most 10 to 15 snaps total in the first half. Uh, and, you know, defense took care of business. They went three and out, interception, three and out here. I think they got maybe one or two first downs. That was it um, in the entire first half. And then the second half was a very similar story. 
San Francisco's offense just took care of business, man. They, they have so much pre-snap movement. They have so much misdirection. The defense is going sideline to sideline. They're on their heels. They have no idea where the ball's going on any given play. And, uh, that is all thanks to Kyle Shanahan. It's something special to watch. And I, I really enjoyed going back and looking at that game film because it's, it's a thing of beauty. It's almost like watching, you know, an orchestra, just the way that he's able to command the way he's able to command the different moving pieces is, is incredible. So uh, that combined with Seattle's lack of a defense, I mean, total lack of a def- defense, they have nothing going there. And Jamal, Jamal Adams is another game time decision. Uh, I I love San Fran in this. I'm going to give Seattle scoring 30 just because their offense. And I do think Russ is going to watch that film from last weekend and say, Hey, I've got to clean up my play. And I think he will. So I do think they'll put up some points this week, uh, but San Fran's going to put up more because they won't stop their offense and they'll, their offense is just going to do enough to, to win this game no matter what. So I'm going to put them 37 to 30 San Francisco Huge. taking this one. Very high scoring prediction there. Um, love the deep dive, mm-hmm. the analysis on, on San Francisco and uh, we'll see. But right now we both have San Fran to upset. Seattle's minus three. So uh, that'll be an interesting game. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Winning the, next, right the next game I wanted to talk about was uh, the Patriots at the Buffalo Bills this week. Derek, if you want to dive in quickly on this, I've got some Awesome stats for you listeners. Yeah, yeah. I want to, I can't wait to hear what you got, you have to say here. Um, so, quick initial thoughts. This one's a hard one for me to really predict because you've got two organizations. First, divisional matchup, always tough to predict those. Second, both teams right now are playing well below their capability. Um, Bills fell completely off the trail, off the tracks with their loss against Tennessee. Since then, they've been horrible on offense. They can't get anything going on offense and their defense has not been good all season. So no surprise that they haven't really been taking care of business either. Uh, They seem to play a bit more sound in the uh, second half of that Jets game. But the fact that their offense didn't score one touchdown against the putrid Jets really concerns me. Uh, that's a game where they should have been able to take advantage and really get right as an offensive unit, and they still look discombobulated. So I don't have too much faith in them. Uh, however, the Patriots looked even worse against San Francisco. Now, we just talked about how well San Francisco was scheming things and how Kyle Shanahan really just controlled that game in all three phases using just his offensive unit and how impressive that was. So I want to give a lot of credit to San Fran there. I think the Patriots still don't look in sync. Cam looked not good. Uh, He was not sharp. And I think a lot of that, though, was due to uh, San Francisco's just keeping him on the sidelines, keeping him cold and not letting him get into a rhythm. However, that being said, I think the Patriots have more problems than the Bills right now. Buffalo has got a lot to prove. They want to win this division this year. They, this is the year they know they can do it and should do it. Uh, they've got they are favored. I believe the line is minus four and a half. If I if I'm correct on that, you can. Uh, Let me know in a second if that's uh, not correct. But I have the Bills winning 24 to 20. So I just I have them just missing the cover there, but I do have them winning the game. Uh, So I'll take the Patriots against the spread 
but uh, Buffalo to win All this right, game. All right, so quick Jake? update. We've got Buffalo minus four coming into this game. So that line has moved half a point. Um, <clears throat> that's a push. This is the game okay. that I'm most excited about this week. Um, definitely agree about the division rivalry. Uh, some fast facts for you Patriots fans or Buffalo Bills fans. The Patriots haven't lost four straight games since 2002. Um, I mean, their core, their poor quarterback play is it's eye opening. Um, <laughs> this season, New England's QBs have a combined for just three touchdowns and 11 interceptions this season. Ooh. The Phils are going to be more than happy to pile onto this. Um, since uh, the last, <laughs> the last win Buffalo has had uh, against the Patriots was at Gillette Stadium, and it was the Bills 16-0, October 2nd, 2016. However, the last time the Buffalo Bills have hosted the New England Patriots and won was in 2011. That is almost an entire decade that they have been waiting, dying. Fans have been clawing, scratching, needing, begging for this win. Fans are hungry, and like you said, this is the season for the division win. Um, I think the bill, the bills are going to come off these, <laughs> these tough losses, uh, where, like you said, they, they really did not show up last week offensively. Couldn't get one touchdown. Um, <clears throat> and I think they're almost saving it in the tank. This was against the jets, um, for this game against the Patriots. This means everything to the organization. I've heard Sean McDermott talking about this game. Uh, like it's bigger than the Easter Bunny Santa Claus wrapped up together. This is bigger than the Super Bowl to a lot of their fans. Um, this this is it. A loss in this game, it would really, really hurt Buffalo moving forward this season. Um, some more quick statistics. We're going to go all the way back to the 1960s with these rivalries. If you're looking through the 1960s as a whole, as, the, as a decade, Patriots are 12-8-1 over the Bills. 70s, we just flipped that. 12-8 Bills. 80s, Patriots 13-6. 90s, Bills 12-8. You can see a trend here. That goes on up until the 90s, obviously, with those four tough Super Bowl losses with the Bills. Uh, but then beyond that, sadly, this is what we're looking at from 2000s. Patriots 18 and 2, 2010s, Patriots 17 and 3. Um, that is Oof. that is so rough. Watching those those trends, those lines, those stats over these past decades uh, really shows that this rivalry goes back to the beginning of the NFL. Um, these fans absolutely hate each other. I've had the wonderful opportunity to uh, visit the Buffalo Bills Stadium and, and watch. A game live there, and these fans are tenacious. I mean, they throw everything from snowballs to other objects on the field and at players directly. Um, yeah, I think that uh, this this is going to be Josh Allen's swan song. He is going to bring a Buffalo Bills win over the Patriots in Buffalo for his fans. They're going to get behind him one hundred and ten percent. He is going to be standing on top of the mountaintop as he screams Buffalo Bills, Bills Mafia Nation. Here we go, baby. I've got Buffalo winning this game 27 to 14, and I'm being generous. One of those touchdowns from the Patriots wow. is going to be a defensive uh, defensive touchdown or special teams. I do not believe in the Patriots this season. I absolutely believe in the Bills, and I think they're going to come off 
off this tough loss, and they are going to do what needs to be done. They're going to take business, take care of business and rewrite history for the Bills organization moving forward. Let's go. Wow. Well, yeah, well, hey, Bills Mafia is no joke. Uh, you, <laughs> you're right about that. And, uh, yeah, that would be interesting. Hey, if that were the case, it would be fascinating to see what New England does moving forward because that would put them in some serious problems not just for this season, but really piecing together a team moving forward for future seasons as well. So uh, interesting stuff there. Let's move on to our next game. We've got Las Vegas Raiders at Cleveland Browns. Uh, Last I saw the line, Cleveland was minus two and a half. Jake, do you want to take this? Uh, So right now I've actually got Cleveland minus three coming to this game. That is a different line shift than we've seen here. Um, Talk down OBJ. Mm-hmm. That's that's my highlight topic of this game. Um, without him with his torn ACL, I think that Baker showed he can work with uh, his other receivers. I think Vegas is 2-1 and one on the road, and the Raiders have won the last two meetings against Cleveland. Um, I think this is going to be a wild finish uh, between these two, these two teams. Uh, both are arguably playoff contenders, and both need this win. Uh, I would say almost desperately. Um, I think it's going to come down to a final drive or again, a wild, wild change in the end of the game. Uh, personally, I like the Raiders a little bit more. I think the Browns are going to do just enough to keep it a very, very close ball game. Um, they're going to be an exciting topic. Uh, however, I do think the Las Vegas Raiders are going to take care of business on the road at Cleveland. I've got them winning 29, 27. Excellent pick. I'm right there with you. I think you're right. Both teams need this win, and that always makes for a great matchup. So I'm excited to watch this. Uh, Personally, betting on this game scares me because both teams are – I don't know if I'd be confident betting either of these teams, to be quite honest with you. But I think this is going to be a fantastic game. I do think it's going to come down to uh, the final drive or two of this game. And – couple things I noticed looking at these two teams on their past week's performance. Uh, first, uh, Las Vegas Raiders, their offense is good, man. They've got a great offense. They really have not – excuse me, last week they did not have much of a run attack, and that was a little surprising. Early on in the season, they really focused on having a, uh, a dominant run Uh, rush offense and last week they really didn't run the ball almost at all so it makes me wonder if uh, everybody's healthy uh, for Las Vegas uh, or if there's something maybe that they're trying to trying to prevent a a further injury but uh, I I think the I think they're going to be able to pick apart the Cleveland Browns secondary at will Derek Carr is playing very well he's played really well all season so I think he's going to have no problem picking apart that secondary Cleveland secondary is pretty bad right now actually Uh, watching it they were really really pathetic they did not uh, contest 50-50 balls well Uh, they really didn't cover their zones they weren't able to cover man-to-man so that's a huge concern for Cleveland However, uh, Las Vegas had no rush defense, and Cleveland's strength, obviously, is the run game. They want to go through that with Kareem Hunt. Uh, so that being said, I do think Las Vegas is going to do enough to 
uh, win this game. I have Las Vegas winning the game 30 to 24. Uh, Cleveland will probably do just enough to lose this game. I think Baker will make a mistake or two more than Derek Carr will. Derek Carr will probably take care of business. He's going to look really good in this game, I believe, because of Cleveland's lack of a secondary. And their pass rush is okay, but really it's not that great either. I think people think it's better because of Miles Garrett and his big name, superstar name. Uh, I don't think it's really that good. So I'm, I'm going to take Las Vegas here, 30-24. I think that's a great prediction. We're both kind of on the same page here uh, with this game. Um, the, the last game I want to mm-hmm. bring up here this week for week eight, uh, this is a really interesting one. We've got the Los, Angel- Los Angeles Rams on the road at the Miami Dolphins. And headline of this week, I'm sure everybody's heard, Tua Tunga Viola is named as the starting quarterback for this game, his first start in the NFL. Um, quickly, I'm just going to dive in very quickly on this high level. Um, I think that the Rams are coming off a short week after Monday night football, uh, Rams, the Los Angeles Rams rank in the top five in sacks per game. And I think that pressure is going to create some turnovers for Tua. Um, he's a rookie. He's coming in raw and he is going against the Los Angeles Rams. Um, my headline, my story of the game is Tua meet Aaron Donald. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be a, that's a rough way to start your NFL career. I got to say <laughs> Jalen secondary Donald, you know, just head hunting on the defensive line there. That's going to be a tough one for Tua, but Hey, Tua time. Welcome to it. Miami. They're excited about it. I think that fan base is, has been uh, looking forward to this moment. Fitzmagic, hey, hats off to him. He played awesome uh, the first half of the season. And as an organization, there's just no better time to put Tua in the game. You've got your bye week. You've had this plan pretty much all along because you drafted Tua number five overall for a reason. You know, you didn't draft him to have this kind of question, oh, should we start Tua or Fitzmagic, you know, through the season? No, you drafted him knowing we're going to let him learn behind Fitzmagic and probably as an organization, they were planning this bye week from the very beginning. It was a little surprising they didn't tell the players that. I thought the players would have been a bit more in the know on that one. But uh, hey, it is what it is. And I, I'm not surprised myself to hear uh, to, to have learned that Tua was going to start. But you're right. It's going to be a tough one for Tua. And his first start against an awesome defense. L.A. Rams are playing very good football right now. Uh, I know they dropped that one at San Francisco. But San Francisco, obviously, we talked about how good Kyle Shanahan is is right now as a play caller. And uh, he's just in the zone. So that's a tough one for them anyways. I have uh, Los Angeles Rams. By the way, that line, is it still at L.A. minus three and a half? Uh, I have right here. L.A. minus three and a half. Yes, that's correct. Okay, good. Well, whatever it is, I have L.A. winning by 10, 27-17. Yes, so. I had a 29-20 on that game. Okay, yeah, we both got them right around 10-point favorites. So, uh, yeah, definitely one, I think. Although it's at Miami, that's always tough with the humidity, but this time of year it starts to calm down a little bit. Uh, it's not quite as much of a weapon for Miami, that uh, humidity and heat in in their home stadium. So it should be interesting. 
All right. Well, hey, there you have it. Uh, we've got uh, some great picks for you guys. Hopefully this week will uh, go very well. Now, Jake, you wanted to do a line movement analysis here. I know we're, we ran a little bit long on our predictions, but that's right. So maybe if you could just give us a, a quick analysis and, and just talk about some of that line movement that happened last week and maybe a, a sneak peek moving forward into this week, and then yeah, we'll, we'll wrap things so up So just wanted that. to quickly um, discuss, if you were to watch a football game, any sport for this, um, and you were to treat the Lions almost as you would the stock market, think of going in blind to a game. Um, not knowing either team, uh, not knowing anything about football, but watching just the way the lines shift throughout a week from the beginning of the week uh, to the end. So what I want to talk about is some trends with this. Um, you have large jumps, and here's a great example, was the Buffalo at New York Jets last week, which was one of my lock picks of the week. Um, going into that game, the week started – where Buffalo Bills were minus three and a half, or 13 and a half, I'm sorry. You would think as the week continued on, the New York Jets would continue to uh, give up points in favor of, of the Buffalo Bills. I expected that line to move about a point to a point and a half in favor for the Buffalo Bills. About midweek, there was a drastic line shift where that went down from minus 13 and a half to minus 10 and a half. That's a full three points, and that is extremely rare. Usually in a situation like that, that means something has happened. A major player is injured. Um, there's unpredictable weather, um, something along those lines. Or in this case, uh, we're dur during a uh, global pandemic, and we've now got some uh, players sitting out for the Buffalo Bills, questionable uh, based on tests and positive COVID tests. Now, beyond that, we still had our, our key players in the game, um, but it really changes the – mentality coming out of the locker room. Um, obviously, we didn't find this out until almost moments before game time, uh, just the day before last Saturday, uh, about the COVID testing. However, when this moved about Wednesday, uh, I knew Vegas, uh, the house, had some inclination that this game was going to wind up being closer than it was. Um, and that turned out to be the truth. Um, so what I want to advise is when you see these huge line shifts there's only so much research you can do, uh, but that's where you kind of got to play with gut. Now, I went with my gut. I still picked Buffalo, thinking they would just roll on the New York Jets, uh, but they did not even cover that spread. And if you watch that game, it almost seemed like everything was going against the Bills to cover that spread. Um, at one point in the game, I, I knew they were going to win, but it was, uh, it was tragedy to watch them literally not get a touchdown. The only one was called back. Um, I mean, I could go on and on, but the, the main argument here is watch those line shifts. Um, they're really unpredictable, but there is some predictability in that, and that's kind of what I'm hoping to, uh, to help guide some of our listeners with that. Um, on the opposite end of the spectrum, um, the game that I wanted to talk about was that, that Pittsburgh-Tennessee game, and I know we mentioned it on the, the podcast last week, but that line was moving about a point to a point and a half at most uh, between in favor for Tennessee and in favor for Pittsburgh. Uh, that game came down to a final field goal that could have put them into overtime. Um, now, Pittsburgh, I agree, controlled that game, but Tennessee had a, had a way to come back. Watching these small line shifts usually means that's going to be a close game, and it might come down to a luck or a, a final drive or a final play, uh, possibly overtime. Um, that's, that's another thing that I want listeners to really look out for is when you see those small point shifts 
uh, but in favor for one team versus in favor for the other, meaning they flip back and forth as opposed to a point and a half, maybe just in favor for one team. Uh, it, that is predicting it's going to be a very close game, obviously, uh, but it also is predicting that could be anybody's game. And when you started that Pittsburgh Steelers game, uh, nobody would be convinced that Tennessee would, would have a chance in that. And lo and behold, it came down to the last play. So just some uh, words of advice with that. Um, and then I just wanted to wrap up with my two locks of this week. And uh, that'll kind of give, give you guys an idea of exactly what I'm talking about, these line shifts. Um, this week, we have Kansas City and we have New York Jets. Uh, I believe that everything is set up in a way to where people want you to be nervous about the Jets, thanks to that Bills game. And let's be honest, Kansas City just put up 40-plus points on the Broncos, who are doing pretty well this season. Uh, there is no way in my mind that they are not going to take care of business against the New York Jets and absolutely demolish them. This is a huge line. It is minus 20 points in favor of Chiefs. I absolutely love it. They are hosting them in Arrowhead Field. There is no way they don't put up triple digits against uh, – oh, I'm sorry, uh, 30 points up against the Jets in favor for the Chiefs. I love this line. Uh, big, big ones like that usually are huge payouts because it makes uh, betters really hesitant to put money on it because it's, it's too high. We're betting against the spread. Uh, don't even consider that. You're picking, in this game, do the opposite of what I said before. Don't go in blind. Know these teams. Know your football. This is the Kansas City Chiefs, the Super Bowl, uh, uh, last year's uh, Super Bowl victors against the New York Jets, who are an absolute dumpster fire. Arguably the best team in the NFL versus the worst. Uh, Kansas City is going to absolutely dominate and make the Jets just cry themselves to sleep. Uh, the other game that I mentioned earlier was the Patriots and Buffalo Bills. Uh, this one I think is the most fun to bet on because of that rivalry, that storyline. These games, even if you lose, it comes down to that wire. These are the ones that keep you on the edge of your seat, keep you biting your nails, keep you stressed out, clenching the couch, chugging beers, just cannot – Get your eyes away from the TV screen for a second. Don't want to miss a second because that's what it might come down to. Um, I think this is the most fun game to pick this week. And uh, as you heard earlier in the podcast, I love Buffalo to cover that minus four. Yeah, I, I'm all over the Chiefs with this one. You're right. I, I love your point. Best team in come the on. NFL versus the worst team in the NFL. That That's pretty much what it comes down to. And, you know, I think Vegas maybe set up this game with last week's game, uh, uh, Buffalo, New York Jets. There were some questionable calls that uh, hurt Buffalo's chances of covering their initial spread of minus 13 and a half and their, uh, their end spread at minus 10 and a half. There are some questionable calls there. And, and believe me, I'm not pointing fingers at any kind of uh, illegal rigging of games, but it was just curious to see the officials really helping out the Jets cover that spread uh, throughout the game. So, uh, you know, obviously Vegas knew something and uh, they, they were all over that. I think they were setting it up because they knew the Chiefs were hosting the Jets and they knew if, <laughs> if Buffalo was able to cover that spread, everybody was going to go all in on the Chiefs and they couldn't put a spread big enough for people to not bet on Kansas City. So, uh, yeah, that, that was maybe a setup game. And this week, that put just enough hesitation in people's minds to where they thought, okay, I'm going to stay away from uh, New York and Kansas City with that huge line. 
but I, I agree. I think Kansas City is going to win by, yeah, possibly 30-plus. It's, it's going to be a bloodbath. And uh, that line really, although it's moved a little bit relative to the spread, it has not moved at all, which means that's pretty close to what that uh, game is going to be, around a 20-point difference. Uh, so I would go Chiefs definitely uh, all day with that one as well. Awesome. Well, hey, man, listen, hey, it's been fun. Three in a row. We've got it, man. We're, we're, we're moving. We've got some good stuff flowing here. We've got a fun podcast. I think we're having more fun with it as the weeks roll in. So we're going to keep having fun with you guys out there as well. Thanks for uh, tuning in and, and listening to us. Jake, as always, it's been a pleasure. Have a happy, happy Halloween, my man. And uh, we'll, always we'll talk to again next and, week. Uh, stay safe, everyone. Thank you. Yeah, stay safe. Happy Halloween, everybody. Have fun. Good luck this week. Hope you guys hit some great Let's bets, and uh, we'll we'll see you next time. Yeah. All right, All right buddy. Take care. Peace out.